The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to Away From The Pages, a book world podcast brought to you by SJP World Media, hosted by myself, Sharon Korea, and joining me on today's episode is the lovely and wonderful C.N. Marie. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. So this is just going to be a general Q&A, a get to know you, just so all of your readers can get to know who you are and learn about things maybe they didn't know before. So I'll get to it straight away. Who or what inspired you to write? I've always had, since I was a little girl, wanted to write. Um, But the main time I started was during lockdown, if that makes sense. I think that time when we were all isolated and away from everything, home life was very difficult for so many of us. Yeah. And I ended up, needing an escape something to just let myself go um obviously I had my family around me my children so I spent that time but that book has never released I've never actually let that book out um so it still sits on a hard drive I don't know if it'll ever release but it's there but it gave me the sense to keep writing yeah and it let you know you could do it yeah, so then I built up the means to keep going, basically. That's brilliant. Is is that not something you feel you'd go back one day and now that you're more established and comfortable in your writing style, sort of go, do you know what, maybe I will go back and have a bit of a play with it? So that book was a book of four-part series, and I have got all the covers for those books. Wow, okay. Um so I should go back to that. <laughs> series, to that Arguably, one. yes. Um, but it's very different. And as an author, you learn a lot over your time when you start writing. And I did a lot of backstory in those right. in that early book. So one of my earlier issues I had was I didn't realise that you didn't need a backstory. You, a lot of readers like to not have half a book of a backstory, shall we say? Yeah, and um, more like to have the small bit of a backstory and more. Let's get straight to the action. We want to know what you're trying to talk to us about and what what's happening, basically. Yeah, um, living in the moment. Yeah, so it does need a rewrite. It it, it can be done, but it'll be something that be that we'll come back to and I think it would be something to be loved it w- it's a really exciting piece it, it's still there it I sounds it's, and- it sounds like a passion project I suppose is probably the best way to put it yeah it's very different from anything I've ever done before it's okay. nothing that's out there already um in the line that I've wrote obviously 
there's other authors and things, but it's more, um, it's very steamy. Um, like I do write my steam, but it's along the lines of clubs and hidden passions, shall we say. Right. Okay. So what made you go from starting with that to where you inevitably released a book then? A charity. Why? <laughs> okay. That, that, I that got turn, yeah? into a, yeah, a charity book, basically. There was a project that was uh, I was approached with. Quite a lot of us went into this charity piece and I wrote Alone View which is an enemies to lovers piece. And originally it was meant to be 40,000 words. So I wrote the 40,000 words for the charity, released with them. And then once it came out of that, I decided everyone loved that so much, I extended to make it into my first full-length novel. Yeah, that makes sense. So I did it that way. So it changed, but that is my most popular book my first release and then I suppose it's that thing of because you're getting traction on that you stay down that road and just keep moving in that direction yeah so contemporary the contemporary steamy was what everyone loved and it was meant to be continuing being a series and it was meant to continue but I got offered the opportunity to do more different things and I loved going down those routes of exploring what I could write yeah, and see what was available to me. So I tried lots of different things and it made it fun to see what where your mind could drift to and what yeah. was available at the time. Um, so I went college. I did darker pieces, anthologies, some mafia at the time. I've done... But books based on areas and countries like Hawaii and things. Okay. Then like male, male, I did sweet romance, which was very different. And I, I, I can't write sweet romance. Yeah, I don't same. enjoy writing sweet romance. Mm. Um, so it, it's something you learn your likes and your dislikes. Yeah. Um, but that's what inspired me to try something a bit different. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's one of those things that you did the first one, like you said, for um, a charity and then got approached with other things. So it kind of took you off in different directions, I suppose, and helped you learn what you like, what you don't like. And yeah. that was your learning curve, I suppose, for want yeah. of a better term. So why did you choose to write Steamy Contemporary then? What was it about that that took you in that direction? I love being able to just see people's reactions with steam. I mean, sweet wasn't the direction I enjoyed at all. Yeah. But I couldn't stick to one area in steamy, if that makes sense. In contemporary, this it's just so diverse. Um, you mm -hmm. have so many tropes. You've got the enemies to lovers. You've got the brewer's best friend. You've got so many different objects and areas to go through that if you pick just one area it was too restricted for myself yeah um and I found that really difficult to be honest oh that's fair I found that the best way to do it and then now um I look at it and I feel that I need to be more streamlined they always say that you should have an area you should go down 
if that makes sense. Yeah. You're best to go down a path. Um, and I found my small town was the best. I had quite a lot of interest in that. So I'm going, still going to stick to steamy contemporary, but yeah. focus it on the area of small town. Yeah. I mean, arguably, you've also got to write what you feel passionate about too, haven't you? I mean, it's it's yeah. one thing to go with the latest trope or the latest things. I mean, me personally, I'm not fast enough for that. But I think if you're not passionate about something, I always think it shows in the work. So yeah. if, if you're finding that the small town is for you, then that's fantastic. And like you said, it, it's your biggest work, arguably. Yeah. So it is a thing of, yeah, why not stick to it if it's what you enjoy? Exactly. I, I love that. So going off topic slightly, um, who is your instant one-click author? CM Stonich. <laughs> I, know, I know this is a question that's going to cause issues because it's something I thought about and I thought I can't answer that with one person. So I don't expect you to have just one person. But who are those sort of like, yeah, who are those instant one clicks that come to mind straight away? There's so many, though. That's difficult. Um, I love so many authors. I do. I do love Cian Stonage. She's amazing. Um, Jade West, Catherine Wiltshire, Gemma Weir. Then you've got people like, if we want to look at Indies as well, you've got, wow. That you know, when you look at the list, it's crazy when you think of how many authors and your mind goes blank yep. instantly. Um, when you say it, so you've got people like LG Campbell, you've got Sarah Jane Duncan, I've just read her Insatiable Kitten, that was amazing recently. Nikki J. Summers, you've got BJ Alpha recently, I read Oscar. That was a brilliant book. Um, okay. That was very, very different. Um, just so many, so many different authors. Have you got any sort of, not even necessarily by someone mentioned there, but have you got any books that you hold in like extremely high regard, arguably favourite books that you would go back and reread then, let's say? So Tracy Podge's The Facilitator was my first ever romance book that I ever read. That's a different story to most because most people is like, oh, I read Fifty Shades first. No, so my first so, ever one that I ever read was that book. Right, okay. It's very, um, very different to most people's. So my first ever book signing that I went to, I started off and I found Tracy Podger and I won tickets to go to that event and I went to the event and I knew no one at that event and I read The Facilitator. And I have an actual bag made from that book as well. Right. And I went and met Tracy. I then met K.L. Shanwick and I read all their books. I literally went on binge read. Binge yeah. read every single one of those books. And then I met um, Andy and Long. I met Gemma Weir and Annie Dyer um, and read I, I just started reading everyone's I just literally went through and I ended up reading every single book and that's what yeah. I did it, it's funny isn't it like when you meet people how it can 
I'm trying to think of the right word to sort of put there. Like if you like someone, when you especially meeting someone at signing, if you really click with someone and get on with them, it does encourage you to go home and read their books. Yes. Because because they're a lovely person. So you want to sort of support them in any way you can. So it is yeah. it, it is funny how you can be influenced that way. Um so back to the writing. What is your writing process? Like, do you ever get stuck at a certain word count? Do you listen to music or do you have a routine that you stick with every time, or does it change all the time? So Normally in my CMRE books, I'm not a plotter at all. Okay. And I normally just write them. Um, but previously, they've always been much bigger books. So um, lately they have been smaller, but when they've been the co-writes, they have been around the 60K mark. When it becomes my Sophia books, I have to plot. Because they're so small, you yeah. can't risk not doing a plot with them because you will go over those word counts. Um, I struggle always for the first 10,000 words. Right, okay. Always. The first 10,000 words is my most hardest part for me. I find the beginning of a book is so much more difficult, and I always get mixed up with my point of views. And people laugh right. at me. There'll always be, and I'm not sure if it'll be readers that find it, my editor is not the one that finds it, luckily. But sometimes there has been one that got through, and I found it when I uploaded it. There'll be one paragraph in every single book of mine that is wrote in the wrong point of view. Brilliant. Before I submit it, because I always get it confused. I'll write, and I I don't know why, but I'll my mind goes into that state, and I'll write a paragraph, and it'll always turn out in the wrong point of view. But the funny thing with that is now, if you didn't do that, you'd probably panic and be like, I've done something wrong. Yeah, because if you don't have it, then either my mind is too focused. Yeah. something. Um, so most of the time when I first started writing I used to have a lot of music playlists a lot of playlists mm. um, I don't have as many now because I'm more structured um, right. I tend to say to myself I need to do a minimum word count every day Yeah, it doesn't tend to happen at the moment because I'm so busy um, but when things aren't as manic I normally like to do a thousand words a day minimum. Okay, yeah. I find that if I have that target, and that's normally when the, the children are in school, Monday to Friday, if I have five thousand words done a week, I'm happy. Yeah. Because that means I've done one Sophia book a month minimum. Yeah. So in my mind, it's a book a month. It's realistic word count as well, isn't it? Because even on days when you struggle generally speaking you can push to a thousand yeah a lot of the time I have done a lot now of sprinting which really does help so I have started doing um 15 minute sprints and on those days twice a week I can easily get 1500 done on those days oh, that's good in an in in an hour why in an hour okay two minutes because I can write 300, 350 words in 15 minutes. That's impressive. See, that sprinting is something I looked into and then promptly ran away from it because it, 
I am the ultimate procrastinator and it, it it's stupid reasons and it is something I should do 100%. It's something I should do. So it's nice to hear from someone how productive you can be in a short space of time, arguably. So the shortest amount of words I normally get is 250 words. But yeah. once I get going, it's normally around 350. Um, sometimes in a week, I'll do my word count over a couple of days. So I'll set myself two hours of my time and I'll just say right I'm doing two hours writing and I'll do 15 minutes five minutes off 15 minutes five minutes off you know just to walk around um set a timer and in your mind you just read over what you've done before and you write yeah. after the end of the hour reread what you've done and then that's when you edit and go through what you've changed mm. So when you've done your edits, in my mind, I've normally added an extra 100, 200 words of things that I've missed or changed. Yeah. And it looks and it, it feels so much more productive that way. And I get so much more done. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good to hear it from someone's someone else's perspective, I suppose, rather than just seeing things said online. Because, you know, you you see it all the time on social media, people talking about sprinting and even saying, "Oh, I managed to do this many words." And mm. but to, to actually physically hear someone talk about it, it's like, okay, these things can be done. Then it, it is all yeah. possible. So but it builds that confidence level up as well, because when you manage that amount in a day or just in that short amount of time then you think right well I've managed that I've now got time um to do my social media and talk to my readers that want to talk to me or I've yeah. now got time to um sort out this for this event or I've got this to sort out next your whole day's not been spent by trying to get those few words done that you needed You've yeah. got spare time as well. Yeah, no, that's that's a good way to look at it. It's it's streamlining your day, isn't it? Rather than sitting there all day looking at your computer, having an end of day word target that you just end up rushing at the end of the day. That's what I do. I'm talking yes. from experience. I rush at the end of the yes. day to get to that target when I've been sat there all day. So yes. for someone like me, it's like, okay, this is something I need to look into doing myself yeah. rather than yeah. sitting all day doing nothing and then literally knocking it out at 10 o'clock at night or whatever whatever like your ending point is so that, that's really good so is there a certain book of your own that has a special place in your heart my first co-write with lucy jones is my favorite book okay um it means the most because it gave me the inspiration and the support to know that I could do more and I wouldn't... The easiest way to describe it is I always thought to go outside my confidence levels and structure with myself, like I always felt that I couldn't do something and pushing myself beyond those confidence levels and yeah. those boundaries that you set yourself, um, having someone then saying to you, you can write this and do that. In real it time means, as well. Yeah, it means a lot. And then the fact that she was there reading it as I did it and was able to see 
where I need to make adaptations in it helped. So I learned the process of being able to do it. Um, and then being able to be comfortable, you know, comfortable in yourself to be able to continue writing um, in a different genre that you're not used to. It is a mm. big step. Um, and some people find trying different genres easy. I'll be honest, when I went into and tried Mafia, when I wrote the Mafia books, the dark books, I really struggled. It took okay. so much out of myself because of the way you have to have your mindset. Mm. When you write darker, it's very draining to some people. And some people need to have something lighter to bring you yourself back to that comfortable calmness, mm. you know, because you've took yourself to such a dark, a dark level in yourself. But with MM, it's you're putting yourself into a position you don't know anything really about. Yeah. And you're writing something that's very, very different. Um, when especially if all you've ever wrote is MF. Yeah. So for me, it was a huge, huge step and something that was very, very outside a comfort zone. Yeah. And what was the inspiration for that particular book? So um, the whole series, Lost in Between series, is actually a crossover world. Right. So the, it's a crossover world. So the first book, Lizzie has a series that she has out that's already released, and I have Stocks and Lies. Yeah. Um, and Stocks and Lies has a character in it called Freddy, and in Lizzie's world, there's a character called Luke. And it's both those characters meeting up in their in the world that was set in Stocks and Lies. Right. So they meet together and then all the characters from her world and my world start popping in yeah so you have the crossovers so people can read from lizzie's world and my world so as they keep growing you have obviously freddie and luke's relationship for um the lies of gravity book two and book three are male female and that features two separate characters okay and then book four is a male male which released today um and it's the final book of the series and it goes back to luke and freddie and right. how they get their family that's all we're going to say okay it features how their family comes together and everything completes so obviously when you wrote the the character of freddie within your series the intention i'm assuming was not necessarily to for him to be gay and to go in that he was, direction he was wrote as a gay character he was always gonna okay. be okay he he was wrote as a gay character but it was never the intention to ever go have his own book so it was wrote stocks and lies has always been wrote as a standalone book right it was always wrote as a standalone book and it was never the intention that anyone else would get any other stories, but he kept coming back. He kept yeah. saying he needed more. And then other characters started talking like, I was in an anthology and there's another character called Del who is involved in the series and he has a short story and his short story actually comes out on Friday oh, wow. as okay. a solo book. So each of these characters started talking 
So technically, Isabel and Chrissy are both in Stops and Lies, but they both got their own books in the co-write series as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I find things like that amazing when your intent was to write a standalone. That that was yeah. so any characters coming in and again, sort of being on that side, I can understand what it's like because you bring characters in, obviously they need friends, you need other people. It can't just yeah. solely be two people. And it's funny how those characters grow. Yes. So, so it's amazing to hear that, well, actually, effectively, a supporting role has taken the lead elsewhere. So that's that's amazing. Now, was that a conversation between the two of you as in like, yes, let's get these characters together? Or yeah, was... we spoke we spoke together and um, we, we spoke about how we could do it. And we both said we both have these characters. So there's people in Lizzie's book that, like James, Nina, who have their stories and they now pop up in this world as well. So you'll get to see how they are and you get to see their little girl come and say hello and stuff. And yeah. it's like they get to have snippets of what's happening in the future, which is really yeah. lovely if they've read the original books. Um, and it's the same with Evelyn Dawson, who's in Stocks and Lies. That was a bit different because it's a romantic suspense so it's a the traditional contemporary for me so when they see them pop up they're like oh what's happened next yeah it's really nice to see i personally love when you incorporate various worlds because it i think it's great for both the people involved that you're bringing in both of their worlds i mean don't get me wrong if you get together and write something completely independently that's great too but I personally love it when you get those little pulls from both ways. Yeah. I, I think it makes for a great story and it, it's a good crossover for readers as well. You know, like your readers going in that direction, her readers coming in your direction. I think it's great. And it's authors supporting authors when you cross over worlds as well, yeah. which I'm 100% all for. So you say you start, you started writing during lockdown what advice, if any, would you have given yourself when you started writing, if you knew what you knew now? I would have wrote at least a few books beforehand. Okay. I would have, I would have liked a few books to have basically that backlist to yeah. get myself known. So that series that I knew wasn't there. I wish I'd done it. Yeah. So it was there. Um, building my social media standing, getting relationships and knowing how everything works. When you first release a book, people just think it's a couple of clicks of a button. Yeah. It is not a couple of clicks of a button. You need to understand how social media works about bloggers, understanding arcs. People don't understand about getting how to get your book seen um and that's still a learning curve now marketing is a really difficult curve even now um trying to build an art team back that day i didn't even know what a beta was yeah yeah do you know and 
that research back then would have been so valuable I think it would have been something that would have supported I think there should be more knowledge and understanding for new authors you know people need that insight of what you're putting yourself putting out there for yourselves um I I agree and I don't think it's easily accessible but I also think that people learn what they want to learn and you know you, you see it you see it in the world we're in with certain groups we're in people pop up and they haven't got a clue. There's nothing wrong with not having a clue. We were all there once, Yeah. but I also think people should look into things going along the lines of what you said. People need to look into things. It's not as easy as write a book, push it out there. If it was that simple, there'd be even more out there than there are right now. But I also do think people need to take some form of accountability into researching it themselves. But I can, but not trying to point blame on those people, just simply saying, look around you, watch what's going on around you first. That's how you learn the most. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, even asking an author questions, even if it's someone that you think is unattainable. You know, you've read their book and it's amazing. Oh God, I can't message them. Message them. The worst that's going to happen is you don't get a reply, but you could message that person and ask them and that person could set you up for your future in how you do things. Because I agree with you when it comes to arcs, betas, alphas, there's so many different things and you've got to find your team, which is a learning process. That's the thing, you know, the learning behind so much you can find yourself, but some of that information, it's just if you're pointed in the right direction, yeah. a group name a um support alessandra torres group for example yeah. a huge insight but as a new author it'd be something that you may not even know exists out there yeah 100 and me personally that group has been a godsend in many regards because even without necessarily commenting on things you're watching and you're yes. learning sometimes through other people asking questions i mean I find an editor in that group and she's, she's amazing. So it's that thing of that group's there for a reason. And I think, like you said, people, more people need to know about it and be aware about things like that and ask questions. No one, no one minds being asked a question at the end of the day. So coming away from writing ever so slightly, what do you do for fun and how do you relax if you get, which I doubt you do because I know everything you do <laughs> away from this, but if you do manage to get five minutes to yourself, what do you do? Um, pick up a book occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I do, I do love to read. So I do try and make time, even if it's just 15 minutes a night, 20 minutes, I'll try and pick up a book. Because the best form as an author to keep developing your own skill is to read. Yeah. You know, learn more. Um, I do take one evening a week um, with my friend and we go out for two hours. And we'll go okay. and see a film at the cinema. So I'm to date probably with every release um, that's out. And tomorrow night is seeing the next big blockbuster, but I won't say the name, just in case. But yeah, going to the cinema. Or oh, you're going to watch Guardians? 
Yeah. Is that what is that what you're avoiding? I'm saying confused then for a minute, thinking, what's she on about? Have I missed something? Right, okay, no, sorry. You say the name because obviously no, you can say, there's no copyright restrictions on a podcast, you're fine. Yeah. So um, yeah, going to see that. And then um sometimes it just might be a meal or something, you know? Yeah. Just a couple of hours each week just to be out of the house. Because she's got a very similar family lifestyle with her children like me so we both have that couple of hours in an evening yeah and on a personal level stepping away again as I said I do know a lot of what happens and like from my point of view I'm, I'm glad to hear that because it's nice that you do take time for yourself you need it yeah I, th- I think out of every person I know on this planet I think you're one person <laughs> I would hands down say you need that time and I'm glad to hear that you do have that routine and it is it is quite I'm not going to say rigid but you know you are very self-conscious of not staying in and drowning shall we say that's probably the best way to word it yeah so no that's that's really nice to hear going back to the book talk i suppose do you have particular muses for each character and does that or can that influence your cover i write based on a cover normally okay rather than muses to the cover which is unusual in a lot of terms Um, a lot bloody easier i imagine (laughs) yeah so the for example the co-write series all the covers were done before the books right with my my sophia set that i've got at the moment the themes were done the covers weren't so i had every one of my themes sorted i knew where i was going to go with my themes and then i picked my covers so for example the book that's coming out mid-may is military based right so I knew I wanted naked Manchester with yeah. dog tag, basically styled guy. Yeah. Um, but I planned that from the beginning. So when I started doing my writing about the descriptions of them, it was already planned out. Um, so it was much easier for me yeah. to do it that way. Certain ones are easier than others. Yeah. For me. Yeah. But so I can't you- write without a cover. Okay, I I think that's fantastic. My biggest stumbling block is the fact that 98% of the men I write have long hair. And long hair models, especially if you're going to stock images, it's it's the same model in every single book because there's like one model. I was very fortunate with Melody's cover Mm-hmm. And he matched my description perfectly. That wasn't an intention. That was a complete accident that happened. But it's that thing of, well, I've used him now. I can't use him again. So I'm down to the other guy with long hair. So Unless you want to pay for exclusives. Yeah. Which even then, you know, there's not, from a very selfish point of view, there's not as many long-haired male models out there. No. And the thing I'm slowly learning is to try and basically cut off their head in such a way that you can't see their hairline. So yeah. it it's good to have the cover down then, shall we say, before you go down that road, because it is hard when you've 
written a character and described them in the book and now you've yeah. got to find a cover to match because that's I've got to say that's one of my biggest bugbears yeah. you look at a cover you you think wow this cover is stunning you start reading and the man is nothing like the cover model yes it it grinds my gears a bit I'm not gonna lie yeah so that's that's really good to go that way do you have any like TV programs or is there anything in particular you watch to get inspiration from then, shall we say? Not inspiration, no. Um, I'll be honest, I don't really have a lot of time to watch TV. I it's can imagine. something that I don't normally... I, I went through a stage where I watched Grey's and asked me, I watched through Stranger Things, you know, the things that have always been put on you know as sex life went on I watched it you know yeah. we all watch the things that get thrown on but I don't make particular time to watch much tv right it's something that's not normally the background it's normally a kids tv show <laughs> on continuous replay with them in the room to be honest yeah oh yeah I, I can imagine that Woodsbob square pants on multiple <laughs> replay yeah, you start going a bit crazy. <laughs> How do you manage to write with that going on? <laughs> That's normally what's on replay in my house with my children. Yeah, it probably helps because it's a good reminder that your kids are there so that you don't get too lost in what you're doing. No, but then I'm really cautious. Like, um, I'm no more do my social media when they're around and write when they're not around. Yeah. So that helps. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, everyone's different and I wouldn't want to speak for someone else and their writing, but there's nothing worse for me personally when you're right in the middle of it and, you know, you're sort of tapping furiously away on the keyboard and then someone comes and talks to you. Yes. And you're trying to ignore them, but especially if it's a child and they're like, mummy, 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 mummy. So you know you have to stop and then you just seem to lose it all then because... Again, I don't want to speak for everyone, but me personally, once it's broken, I struggle to get back into that. Yeah. So I can appreciate doing it away from the children to save that distraction. But the, the one yeah. thing I learned personally through lockdown is, so, but pre-lockdown, was it pre-lockdown? No, it wasn't. So when I released my first book, I had to be in silence. I didn't want no noise around me. I struggled if anyone distracted me, even a little bit. Whereas yeah. the past 12 months have gone the other way. I like noise around me. I yeah. like I like sort of other, other stimuli, I suppose, is probably the best way to word it which I find really odd how I've changed so dramatically. And yeah. it is that thing, isn't it? You you work with what you have. And I can appreciate in your situation, finding those spare moments, like you said, it comes in the school day. That's mm. where you take that time to do it. I am, Well, you think we're not a million miles away from the six-week holidays. That, no. That's where I can imagine for you personally, it will sort of slow down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, your kids are still quite young, aren't they? So, again, not speaking for you, I imagine they do still get up quite early. Yes, so they'll, they'll get up early. Um, it can range. So, depending, normally, James, the, James is normally the earliest. So, it can range from 
with the early morning, especially between 5, 6 a.m. Um, <laughs> and they don't sleep great either. They don't have a full night's sleep either. Yeah. Um, so normally up, normally about 11 at night to sleep and then can be up at 2 in the morning <laughs> yeah. as well. But we do have respite in the holidays for a yeah. few hours. So on those days, obviously me and my hubby will have some time to go out places and have a bit of time to ourselves. Yeah, because that and is then, important too. Yeah, so that helps. And then obviously a bit of quiet time to get what else we need done. So yeah. it all adds up. Yeah, that's it. And you find your rhythm, don't you? Because what else can you do? You you either sit there or go stir crazy or you work with what you got. Yeah. There's not much else you can do really, is there? No. So you said about social media a minute ago. Do you think, what do you think are like the pros and cons of social media in the author world? I think it it can get addictive. It yeah. can take a lot of time away from everything. There's so many different pages, so many places you've got to go. Yeah. Um, building up social media is really difficult nowadays and just getting basic interaction. It's difficult just to have, with the time you need, like just to have readers contacting and supporting you. I think even things like now promotions, you want to promo your work. It, it takes a lot to get that time to even just go through, but you have the fact that social media will automatically give you a ban yeah or a thing and you can just write a simple comment like i love your post and they can see it as spam nowadays um when it's not spam um so it's very difficult i mean social media is evolving so crazily and i mean there's so many different sites coming and going all the time i mean we've had was it you know, people love Facebook. They ever hate Facebook. They have Instagram that's the favourite, don't they? Twitter um, mm. has just gone, hasn't it? You've got TikTok, people love or you hate it. Yeah. See, that's my husband. The majority of his social media, and when I say the majority, I literally mean probably 95% of it is on Twitter. And... I don't get that kind of traction enough on Twitter to to even I've got accounts on Twitter, but it's that thing of it's more of an afterthought Twitter for me personally. Mm-hmm. So it, it you've got to find what works for you. And if it works for you, great. Don't you don't always have to listen to what works for someone else. Everyone will find what works best for them. Obviously, TikTok with the huge explosion of book talk. If that yes. works for you, great. I can't make videos for poop. So I, I wing it. I've tried TikTok. Um, I've been on TikTok subscription groups, you know, gone in and seen how people have done it. Suggestions of, you know, it's best now to do reels, then to do photos, transitions, all these different options. It hasn't done anything personally for me. It didn't do anything for my second accounts and... I've heard people had more luck with things like ads, Facebook ads particularly. Amazon ads have just downmarked for a lot of people, people are saying. Yeah. Um, 
personally, I find Twitter does nothing for me. I had an account. I just don't feel I get any traction at all. My newsletter is probably my best. Yeah. My Instagram, my Facebooks. And then obviously starting like the next big things, obviously things like the Ream coming, um, yeah. which is the next big thing. Well, apart from that, it's always something new and it's always yeah. trying to keep up with times. What's next? Will this work for your your reader base or will it not work for your reader base? Is it worth looking at doing or is it not worth looking at doing? Mm. How much how much of your time would it take you to actually trial it? Is it worth your time? That's yeah. what you've got to look at. Yeah. And it and it's like I said, it's it's that thing of you do what works for you. You know, yeah. it's it's nice to have someone say, like, you've gave what works for you. That's fantastic. But it's not gospel for everyone. It's not no. a Bible. Everyone finds their thing. Some things work, some things yeah. don't. Don't be disheartened by something that doesn't. You know, you might see exactly. an author who's flying because they're like, oh, yeah, I did something on Twitter and it's amazing and I've blown up. That doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. So don't let it get you down, I suppose. Exactly. It is that thing, isn't it? There are so many voices in this community and I'm not going to say any one person is wrong because nobody's wrong. It's just personal. And for anyone thinking about going down this road, listen and learn. That's the best thing I think anyone can say. I think it's trial and error. And At the end of the day, mm -hmm. you've got to trial each thing and each platform has its own reader base. Yeah. And you're only going to get so much from each reader base anyway. Do you know, you've got to, they've got to trust and trial your books. You've got to entice them. Mm -hmm. So it's just trialing it. There's yeah, no definitely. magic formula for the book world. That's the, no. that's the thing. There is no magical formula for any of us. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So going back to co-writes, who would be, your dream to co-write a book with and i'm talking to anyone i don't know i don't know i've never thought i don't have a clue see it's, i never it's thought a... i do i never thought i'd do one co-write yeah so um i will say with co-writes when you you it's very difficult you have to have that trust at the beginning it's yeah. not something you can just go into um and it's not just about trust it's a lot of people, and I'm not saying about any authors or anything in particular, but you have to have a, um, you have to look at your writing styles. You have to look yeah. at your, if you can't go with someone, say if you wrote in past tense and then you want to go with an author that writes in present tense, mm -hmm. how's that going to work? Or if they want to write in first, then the other person writes in third tense there's lots and lots of different ways i mean you could have an author that's very descriptive in their writing but another one who likes to blend the details yeah so you need to see how your writing style matches and if yeah. you can't get the whole point of writing it is for them not to be able to see there's two authors yeah, see, this is a conversation I had with someone 12 months ago, not from a personal point of view, but two people who were co-writing together. And 
I gave them any advice I could because I've partially co-written a book. So I've got some form of knowledge, I suppose. Mm. And, uh, you know, they asked for my advice and I gave them my advice. And the only advice I gave them, because they wanted to do your point of view. Yes. And I said, okay, pick your person and stick with mm. it because personal opinion if you're blending two people's writing through one character, when you have two characters, it just seems pointless when you could just pick a character and you write that character because then you're in their head. They chose not to listen and it's kind of all fallen apart. But so it's one of those things of, hmm. I'm not trying, I, I don't mean that as in, see, I was right. It's just that they were over talking one another, I suppose. And it's like that, that's why I said pick a person. And again, I'm not saying that's the line for everyone. That's just my opinion. Because, you know, if so, we decided to write a book tomorrow and we both started writing the female character, I've got no doubt our writing styles are different. They're not going to merge. Yeah. Exactly. So the, when we did our co writes, we picked the characters that we created. Yeah. So Freddie is from Stocks and Lies, Isabel is from Stocks and Lies, Chrissy is from Stocks and Lies. Um, so I stuck with mine, Lizzie stuck with Luke, Robert yeah. and Christopher. So we stuck with the characters that we knew Yeah. throughout the book. So as the main things, when we had pop-up chapters, if that makes sense, you know, like of characters from you know other books you know yeah. weave in to fit that was different but the main characters were always our own I, I always think when when you're writing and again you may completely disagree with this but I think when you're writing you're the person in their head you're telling their story you're seeing what arguably you want them to see and sometimes what you don't and that's what that's why I tried to give them a, the advice of pick a person and stick with it rather than having two people with two different visions. Because you could talk yeah. about it till the cows come home doesn't mean you're going to agree on what you see. Exactly. And, and obviously from your point of view with that character, you knew that character. And yeah. this, this was it's your like chance to get you, in their head. When you approach a situation, it can be a very different point of view. For each of you, if you went yeah. and approached, you know, you go out somewhere and when you see a situation somewhere, it looks different to two people. Even if you're just mm -hmm. going out somewhere anywhere, it can be it can mean two different things. Yeah, and it's okay. how you write that down on a piece of paper. So that's why we did it that way. And I think that's the hugest thing. So for me, unless you've got that bond and your mm -hmm. writing styles match, it couldn't be something. I mean... I read, I love reading Mafia. I love reading RH. I love reading MM. But I couldn't just pick one of those authors because for me, I haven't got that link or know their style. Yeah. Writing, but know it. Whereas when it was me and Lizzie, I knew it inside out. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, it's a question that I do think is a loaded question because you've looked at it so logically, which is the 100% right thing to do because you've done a co-write, so you can look at it logically. But I think yeah. 
you know, th this is for anyone who is thinking about doing stuff, this is a great conversation to have with different people to get different perspectives. Yeah. You know, the, the next person I talk to, they might just be like, I want to write with this person and no logic. And that's yeah. fine. That's not a wrong answer either. No. But it's great to hear from someone who's done it, your, your honest point of view. Yeah. So that that's fantastic. So to anyone who doesn't know, you are organising a signing in June that I am hugely fortunate to be a part of. What has the experience been like so far that you can say legally? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of work, um, a lot of organising. and a, As a first-time organiser, amazing to do, but the nerves are starting to creep in yeah. as each day closer now which is understandable but i can't wait till it gets here yeah i mean to anyone who is unaware it is the sugar and spice signing that is happening in sheffield in june um what made you sit there and think do you know what i'm not quite doing enough i think i'm going to organize a signing <laughs> um so i was at a retreats the indie love retreats okay yeah um with which is run by alice larue mm -hmm. um and we were sat there talking about it saying there should be more every year do you know more signings happening and i was turned to you should have run one <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> um and then by the end of the retreat, I had a logo, an expression of interest form up, and we were looking actually at first of doing Harrogate. Right. When we first looked at Harrogate. Um, but when we looked at venues and spaces and the area, um, it wasn't big enough. And in my opinion, if you're going to do it, it would only hold about 35, 40 authors. And I felt it was harder for things like transport needs, for example, to get around. Yeah. So we decided where else would be great. And I said, well, I live in Sheffield. I know the city. Let's reach out to some of the places in Sheffield. Mm. So at the end, I reached out and Sheffield United Football Club were able to host us. So... We're having the full event there i think again it, that's a really funny thing isn't it because coming from a football family even though you know we're not sheffield supporters like from from my husband and my daughter's point of view i know they're gonna love it just having that sort of little sneaky peek behind the scenes i suppose which is you know slightly off topic so, of the signing but <laughs> but i think it's a great so venue yeah, so something that a lot of people don't know is when you go to the venue, there's a lot of parkings, about 400 free car parking spaces. Actual signing is in one room, um, which is on the ground floor straight off the car park. Oh, so okay. all the doors are going to open up. Um, they are fire doors, but they open up directly onto the car park and we're allowed to open them to open up for the signing itself. But we have a breakout room, which is actually on the first floor. 
um, which is where the author lunches are going to be. But when the author lunch isn't on, it's actually an area where there's soft drinks you can purchase. Yeah. Um, and a bar, but it actually overlooks the whole football pitch for people to go and look at. That's probably where I find my husband and daughter when I'm sat there on my own then. Yeah, so um, even though it's on a first floor, there is the lift access and things for them as well. So it's nice. And that's where um, also the evening event's going to be. So it'll be nice over the night where it's all lit up. Yeah, yeah, that would look stunning. see it all coming across as well. I think things like that, and again, it's deviating slightly from the signing (coughs) itself, but... I think things like this do help because even if you're not interested in football, sites like that are amazing. Like going to the York signing and being by the race course. It's so nice looking out and just seeing like a stunning view. So I think things like that do help when picking a location and the prettier it is, the better I think for the people going and anyone interested in football, all the husbands will probably be happy, even if they don't support Sheffield United, because they'll just be looking at the pitch. Exactly, exactly. Do you, so talking about organising and a, a signing, do you tend to frequent many signings yourself, be it as an author or a reader? Yes. <laughs> so I go <laughs> yes. to... Uh, it's easier way. So my first signing was only last year as an author, and that was York. Oh, so and when I met you, that was your first. That was wow, my okay. first ever signing as an author. So after that, I did. There was Stoke signing, which was Tales on Trent. Yes. And then there was Blackpool books on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so then this year I did Liverpool's Fans Fiction I'm then doing Indie Love So Indie Love's been moved Because it was meant to be actually this It's supposed to be this weekend, yeah uh, It's now been moved to November So that I will be attending that one in November um, which I've got lo- tickets So I'll see you that, there anyway Yeah, but that'll be lovely Because it's going to be on when the Christmas markets are now on yeah. So that'll be a lovely one. Um, oh, in September, I will be at Tales on Trent. That's going to be in Stoke again. Right. And then next year, there is the the Indie Pride Book Con, which is the Male Male RH signing in March. Yeah. And Books on the Beach in August. And then we have Leeds which will be coming up, Romance in the North. Oh, yeah. I was thinking what's Leeds, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, Romance in the North, Leeds one um, next year as well. So that's a few to be announced, <laughs> a few different ones. Um, as a reader, I tend to go up, so I will be going to the Four Brits Mafia. Oh, yeah. At Birmingham as a reader for the day. I'll be going to Rare Signing, Rare London as well. Yeah. I'll probably end up going to Edinburgh as well. Yeah, that's one I'm still sort of looking at personally, is that it's the travel side of things. Because obviously in this country, 
it's a real funny thing, isn't it? And this is a conversation I've had with many people. When you're American, traveling six hours in a car is sometimes just arguably to go and see a friend. We don't do yeah. that type of traveling in this country. We don't no. travel that far. So I think the last rare, I think it was something like a six and a half hour drive, which honestly, I have no issue doing the drive itself. Yeah. But it's that thing of, it's the thought of having to do it. Yeah. So for me, London, I'm going by train for the day. So I'm okay. going day train. But for me, Yorkshire to London is like two hours, under two hours. Yeah. So that's pretty decent. But to go to Edinburgh, it's going to be quite a long way. Yeah. So for I mean, me, it's distance as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that thing of, don't get me wrong, that's not a moan, because I think it's great. There's there's a lot more sign-ins up north from where I am, because I do live more down south. There's a lot more sign-ins up north than there is down south. Yeah. Cardiff's quite a good one, because I think that's only like a 45-minute drive for me. So, Oops. for me, that is a day event. Like I said, I've got tickets, I'm going, because there's people there that I actually want to see. Um. Although they have put up an expression of interest, which I was lingering over the other day. I don't know yet. <laughs> I've not decided yet. I'm just leaving it there for now. Um, but I think it would be nice to get some more down south. Um, shenanigans, obviously, that's Coventry. That's not too far. Yes. I can't oh, even yeah. I'm going to shenanigans as well. I forgot about that one. I'm going to shenanigans <laughs> as well. That's what I'm saying. I've got a list. But yeah, I am at Coventry as well. Yeah, they, I can't. I can't remember what the drive was for me. I don't think it's even an hour and a half, if I'm completely honest. But so, which, you know, that's not a bad drive. That's not, I'm happy to do those drives. But, um, but there I would, are a lot more in the north. Yeah. It's always been standard. And I think, I think the reason is, is if you're in the middle of the country, it's easier for readers to travel. Yeah. Central, isn't it? If you think about it. Um, oh, yeah, I agree. But, it makes it harder if you are situated in more of a corner because it's a longer journey for you as an author or a reader to travel. Because if you're in the points of Devon or Scotland or yeah. Wales or something, you've got a lot further travel to do yourself. I mean, that's that's what I mean. It's like I'm not moaning that there's not enough because from, from where I am, like I said, Cardiff is 45 minutes. Birmingham, that's sort of about 50 minutes. And we do tend to have a lot of signings, Cardiff or Birmingham, which is great, yes. but it would be nice sometimes to pull them even away from there. Yeah. And I think, is it author, um, Authors Pine Bars, that's Shrewsbury, that's about two hours away from me. So again, yes. that's, a, that's a doable drive. It's a doable day journey. Because yes. again, th this is the thing, when you go to a sign-in, these are the things you've got to look at. Can you go... For the day, do you have to stay overnight? Do you have to stay over two nights? You know, these are things you've all got to weigh up when you're going to something like this. Because it, it can get expensive. And Sheffield especially, yes. that's quite an expensive place to stay, isn't it? I mean... Yeah. Um, if you stay in the centre, it can be. If you stay on the outskirts, it can be cheaper. But then it depends where you want to stay. I think, obviously, the weekend... Like for this event, we've there's a film festival happening the same yeah. time, and obviously because of the weekend it's fallen on, um, 
But then if you stay 15 minutes outside the city centre, it's much cheaper. But then you've got the drive in and you're not near the train station. So it depends what you need if you're if you need the transport in or if yeah. you need do you know what's the biggest aspect, isn't it? Do you know if you need the closeness or if you need the financial as well? Yeah. A lot of people. And again, that factors in to what you said about where signings are to accessibility. Yes. So, you know, this this is why things happen in certain places, I suppose. Um Yeah. So it, it all makes sense. It does. I think um every I think every city centre is quite similar as well that I've been to of a signing, you know, hotels. It adds up, you know, when you do do an event and you've got to do way up those days. Mm-hmm. Can I make it? Can I travel on the early morning of the Saturday or can I stay the Friday nights but leave the Saturday, you know, Saturday evening yeah. to get back that day? Do you know? It's all those ways. Yeah, that's it. I mean, not to sort of knock the fun out of it, because to be fair, I've done a London sign-in in a day, and it was great. I loved it. I was absolutely exhausted by the time I got home, but it, it's a fantastic thing. Nothing beats going and meeting these people whose words have gotten you through bad times, good times, and everything in between. And Yeah. yeah the, the one thing I've had many 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 positive experiences and one thing i'll say now that i suppose i'm peeking behind the curtain the other way if you do decide to go to a sign-in go and talk to the author go and say hello you don't have to know their books saying hello and having a conversation goes so much further than just walking over buying a book and walking away ask to sign something sometimes you know it's it's such a big thing you know I remember my first signing and I was so nervous because I thought no one would come yeah. up to me. I, I shared my first table with Annie Dyer and um, the amount of people that came up to me and just said, could you just sign this for me? Yeah. Have a conversation with me. And it makes all the difference. It yeah, really, 100%. really does. Yeah, and that's, that's the one thing, you know, I'm all for making sure you have something they can walk away with even if it's just a bookmark yeah. or a business card, have something people can walk yeah. away with. Because even yes. if they don't purchase on the day, it's a point of reference that brings them back to you. But yeah, yeah from, from a reader's point of view, go go and say hello. Go and, like you said, take something to get signed, even if it's a bit of scrap paper. You know, people yeah. really aren't offended. And I think, again, that's something that's not spoken about enough because we've all been there as the reader. And you do feel terrified because you look at someone and you go, oh, but I've not read their work. And it really yeah. isn't, it, it it doesn't matter. It really yeah. doesn't matter. So I, I, I just went off on a tangent then. I do apologize. <laughs> but well, it's been wonderful talking to you today. And Oh, actually, the one thing I need to come back to going back to the sugar and spice signing um just to get a bit of a plug in i suppose because i'm involved um there is the anthology which is due for release very soon yes um, and to anyone who isn't aware it is all done for charity um i'll let you take over on that one would you like to say who the charity is for 
So it's being raised money for a charity called Epilepsy Action. Um, not a lot of people are aware of epilepsy, um, but it's quite a huge condition in the UK, um, worldwide even. But mm. for me personally, it's a personal charity to me. Um, yeah. Now... I've got a child who has epilepsy um, and the charity itself has supported me through many a time when my son went through his diagnosis, but more importantly, when I actually lost my brother to epilepsy. Um, this year, it's actually the 10-year anniversary that he passed away and mm. he was 23 and he passed away of sudden unexplained death in epilepsy. So all proceeds will go to the charity. Um, as well as on the day, we've got other items such as um, a raffle and other things to support. There's other you know. things to be purchased as well, isn't there? Yeah. Like the journal. Yeah, we've got an author journal that's exclusive to the event. We've got a reader log book. So those will all support as well on the day. Um, but it's to give back something for these people that have supported me through a time that was such a hard time. It's now there, you know, finally yeah. can do something for them. Yeah, definitely. You're in and a position for, to do it. Yeah. And for other families that I know what it felt like at that time to have that news. I mean, when my brother passed away, James, my youngest child, was three months old. So mm -hmm. that gives a bit of respect that as a hormonal mess in simple yeah. terms, um, with three children three under three years old. So, and James was still very, very, so James is my son with epilepsy. Um, he was very much through the early stages of just having his medication sorted so he was not controlled epilepsy at that time. I will say now his epilepsy is controlled, but at that point, he wasn't controlled with his epilepsy. So for us having to deal with his seizures, plus having that news, it was a very difficult time. But the charity supported our family at that time. So for them to be there and to be able to support them now is a huge thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, to anyone listening who wants to help in any way, download the anthology, leave a review. It, you know, if that's if that's how you can help, do it because it helps us. It helps money for the charity. Any money made from the anthology goes straight to the charity. And obviously, if you're going to the sign in, like you said, there's things there to help support. Yeah. So every little helps at the end of the day. And you know, I can appreciate when it is a personal touch for you and this is a great opportunity to give back. So um, even if you're not going to the sign-in and even if you're not necessarily a reader, maybe even think about donating online. Um, we can leave a link up for a donation, potentially. I can get my husband to do that. <laughs> um just you know just just to think about helping because it does support a lot of people and it's like you said there's so many things out there 
this is personal to you. So we'll try and help and support in any way we can. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been brilliant. Where can everyone find you on social media and or purchase your books? I will make sure there are links added for anyone on social media. So I'm on Amazon um, as standard. So as typical, you know, uh, Kindle Unlimited and your standard Amazon account. And that is under C.N. Marie and Sophia Nix. Nix, yeah. And that's it. And that's yeah. all your social medias too. The standard Facebook, Twitter. No, you didn't say Twitter. No. TikTok. Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. And all those other wonderful things. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Away From The Pages. And on Twitter, it is AFTP Podcast 13. I couldn't get away from the pages. It was already taken. Um, so that's why it's so confusing and also help by supporting the SJP world media as well, who brings you this podcast. So thank you for listening to away from the pages with myself, Sharon Korea and CN Marie join us next time. <laughs>